Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in today. We are glad you're here. My co-host, Josh, Pastor Josh, is with us, and we're excited that we have some time together. Very interesting things happened this past week, and actually, in Christian history, on August the 18th, 1917, a time that was very similar to what we're going through here in America right now was happening then. And what was happening in the world then? Well, very interesting things. And we see a great truth that I want to bring out in this portion of the program. That is that the work of God is always continuing on. God is never static. His plans are being carried out. And I am so grateful for that. We serve a God that is on the move constantly. He is constantly accomplishing His will in this world, in the universe. Our God is ever active, working, and is constantly doing His plan, His will. And we want you to stay with us here. We'll show you proof of that in just a moment. Not only scriptures, but something that happened August the 18th, 1917, that reminds us of this great truth and how important that is. Well, listen, uh, visit our website, AntiochBristol.com. I know Pastor Josh will share more about that information in just a bit, but it tells you how to connect with us, how to uh, visit our podcast as well as our videos. Just so many things there on AntiochBristol.com website. You know, it was was, uh, President Thomas Jefferson that uh, many people quote today as separation from church and state, and that's what they hold to. Thomas Jefferson said the separation of church and state. We cannot have the church being part of any of the government or any government-funded schools or anything. We can't have that because founding father Thomas Jefferson said that. Well, of course, that piece of language is not in any of our founding documents. I'll give you $1,000 if you can show me that language in any of the founding documents of our nation, in our Constitution, in our Declaration of Independence. That statement is not mentioned, nor the Bill of Rights. Yet, that is often quoted from Thomas Jefferson, the separation of church and state. Why don't they quote something else that Thomas Jefferson wrote? You see, the Northwest Ordinance, he drafted and authored that in the late 18th century. And he did this in order to lay out the basis for admission of future states. For future states to join the Union, uh, they had to come under the Northwest Ordinance that Thomas Jefferson drafted and authored in the late 18th century. But hardly anybody will ever quote Article 3 from this Northwest Ordinance. Here's what it says. Religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools and the means of education 
shall forever be encouraged. What? Schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged to have religion and morality and, of course, knowledge. He says these are necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind. And schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. Yes, they shall be encouraged, but encouraged in morality, encouraged in religion. Yes, Thomas Jefferson, no one will quote that. But I have today and given that to you so you'll know that our founding fathers truly did believe the Judeo-Christian ethics that our nation was founded upon, so much so that he would incorporate that in the Northwest Ordinance for future states to agree to before they could, quote, become future states. So it just reminds us that way back there, at the beginning of our nation, our God was at work. Aren't you glad for that? I was reading Daniel this week, chapter number 2, I was reminded of how old King Nebuchadnezzar, he was, of course, the king of Babylon, and he was world ruler at that time, and he so prideful, so arrogant. He had everything going his way till he had a dream that really disturbed him. And he gave an order that his dream had to be interpreted, but he couldn't tell the people the dream because he couldn't remember it. And he said, I'm going to kill all of you wise men and all of you folks if you don't tell me. Well, of course, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all these fellows were included in that uh, decree of assassination that Nebuchadnezzar had given. And Daniel here talks to the God of heaven. And he says something that's very important for us to remember in days like we are in. After his prayer, it, we read in verse number 19 of Daniel chapter number 2, then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He reveals the deep and the secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. Oh, yes, Daniel, you are so correct. And you know, Daniel tells the king the same thing, almost the same words, when he stands before King Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 28, he says, There is a God in heaven that reveals secrets, and makes known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. So he begins telling Nebuchadnezzar the dream and interpreting the dream that God was telling him what was going to happen. Remember I said at the beginning of the program, God is not static. He is ever working. He's working here in America. He's working around the world right now. The plan of God is ultimately going to be performed Aren't you glad you as a Christian, you as a Bible believer, that you are on the winning side? Absolutely. You're on the winning side that we've already won in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. 
but we can stand on the scriptures just like Daniel and say, my Bible says this, and we know the Bible is true, and it will be true for eternity. It doesn't matter how governments go as far as God's word forever being settled in heaven and forever being true. Our God is the God of light, the God of truth. Now, back there in 1917, my dear grandmama was 17 years old, and a pandemic was going on in the United States. That flu was raging. My dear grandmama lost some nieces and nephews. Her mother, uh, a few years later, eventually passed away from the lingering ailments of that flu. And uh, my dear grandmama, great Christian woman, I can never forget as a little boy playing around in the 60s and listening to her talk about those days of the flu and how that things were so different in that pandemic than they are today, than the pandemic I've lived through. She lived through it. She lived through World War I and World War II and Korea and Vietnam and the Great Depression. Well, we could go on and on. Mamma lived through all of these. Yet, I was reminded of something just this week that happened, 1917, August the 18th. Cameron Townsend, like many of the young men in America, was headed off to war. World War I was in full swing. America had declared war on Germany. And Cameron Townsend and a friend was getting ready to enlist. They figured they'd be drafted for sure. They were going to fight. But there was a Christian woman. Her name was Stella Zimmerman. She said to Cameron Townsend and to his friend, You are all cowards. Now, boy, that sure hit a young man right between the eyes. What do you mean, cowards? She said, There are a million men that's going off to war. Yet you two are leaving us women to do the Lord's work alone. Boy, that grabbed the heart of Cameron Townsend. That young man had grown increasingly aware of God calling him into the ministry. He knew God was calling him to spread the gospel to those who had never heard it. He had been even to the point he had actually signed up to be a Bible interpreter in Guatemala. But when the U.S. declared war on Germany, it looked as if he would be drafted, and so he was in the National Guard already. He figured he'd go on and join because that's what he should do as an American. He was a patriot. He loved his country. The pandemic was going on here. People were dying with the flu by the thousands, and he was eager to go to fight in Germany. But Stella's words grabbed his heart. He couldn't get away from it. He decided to ask for a deferment. And the captain told him this, Go, you'll do a lot more good selling Bibles in Central America than you would ever do shooting Germans in France. So you go, and gave him a deferment from going into the army. So on that day, it was August the 18th, 19 and 17. We remember that was on Thursday of this past week, August 18th. 1917, Cameron Townsend and a spiritually-minded buddy said goodbye to friends and family at the Los Angeles train station. 
they headed for San Francisco to take a boat to Central America. San Francisco, though, they encountered a delay in finding a ship. They seized this opportunity to make a little more money and to work to support themselves in their new adventure. And it was almost a full month later that they sailed in September, headed for Central America. Cameron, though, found the work very difficult when he arrived there. At times, he almost despaired of going on. He was revolted by the food, unable to communicate, homesick, heat sick, just sick of everything. But despite all of that, who threw himself on the Lord and he persisted on, he knew God had called him. He had that full confidence this was God's will. God was doing something through this young man. Soon he realized how desperately the Indians there needed the gospel in their own language. And in 19 and 18, been there just a year, he made up his mind that he was going to translate the scriptures into that very difficult language. He began the work with very few tools, overcoming great obstacles. He learned the language, wrote it down, and turned the gospel into it. His own difficulties were actually the birth of a vision in his heart. This young man and his friends founded the Summer Institute of Linguistics. That's how it started. It was designed specifically to teach new missionaries how to break and translate languages. It became Cameron's goal to have someone translate each of the languages of Mexico. Eventually, he won support from the Mexican government. And as missionaries, he began to multiply and their ministry began to multiply. Cameron Townsend found it necessary to create a mission organization. And that mission organization is the Wycliffe Bible Translators. Wycliffe Bible Translators. Started by a young man, August the 18th, 1917, who all he knew was that God had called him and he needed to go. That ministry has grown into what is reportedly now the world's largest mission organization. Not long after this ministry began to really multiply, Cameron Townsend was asked by an old chief there, an old Indian chief, Why haven't you come sooner? We have been wondering what sin we committed against God that kept him from sending you to us. The fault is not theirs, Cameron said. The fault is not you. God has sent, but we have refused to go. But thanks be to folks like Cameron Townsend and others, there's now more translations of the Bible going on right now around the world than ever before. And now it's my understanding that the language barriers in all the world have been broken and people can hear in a language they understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It may not be printed in their language, but yet in a language they can comprehend and understand the word of God is published. So we see that God's work is never static. Even in a pandemic, a world war going on, and in the midst of all of the chaos, 
God was doing His work and continues to do it. And ladies and gentlemen, be assured today, God is doing His work and He's continuing to do it no matter how our country looks at this time. You focus on the mightiness of our God just as Daniel did and remember these words that our God is the God of heaven and He is to be blessed forever and ever. He changes the times, the seasons. He removes kings. He set up kings. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge unto them who know understanding. Our God is in control. Well, thank you for being with me in this portion. Pastor Josh is coming now at this time. Thank you, Pastor Brad. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Answers from Antioch. Brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. I invite you to connect with us on our church website, AntiochBristol.com. There you'll find full-length episodes that you can go back and listen, or maybe you want to share this with someone else. And it's all available right there through our website. It'll also direct you to several different platforms. If you listen to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, for instance, then you can find those links through our church website as well so that you uh, never miss another minute of Answers from Antioch. We have our 10-minute Monday through Friday program and this weekend edition 30-minute program each week. Also on our website, you will find links to our live stream services and the archive videos, audio, and so much more from our worship service every Sunday. And we invite you uh, to take part in that. You know, we've got some people who will watch our service replay maybe Sunday afternoons, maybe Mondays or sometime during the week. And they like to hear the preaching of God's Word. And we invite you to uh, join us with that. All that, again, can be found on our website, AntiochBristol.com. Pastor Brad has been speaking about uh, some of the things that are challenging for us in these days that we live in. And he pointed out the Old Testament example of Daniel. And I want to go a generation previous to Daniel to Jeremiah and bring out some similar truths. How do we respond in this day that we live in? Is there a cause for hope? Well, with God, there is always a cause for hope. But in Jeremiah's day, the thing I want to share with you with the time that I have remaining is simply this. Jeremiah was willing to stand with God irregardless of what everybody else was doing around him. Can I say that's the attitude that we need to have in our generation. Jeremiah was able to touch future generations simply because he stayed true to God. And he followed God irregardless of what people thought of him or the message that God put in his mouth. I encourage you, read through the book of Jeremiah and meditate on these truths because you can see it as plain as day. Jeremiah simply stood and said, Thus saith the Lord. He said the words that God put into his mouth. And if that meant a negative message, he brought a negative message. Even in the book, you see there's a, a struggle within Jeremiah 
that says, man, wouldn't it be so great to get up and just tell people, hey, hang in there. It's all going to work out. There's no such thing as exile. God's going to defeat the enemy. We're going to be just fine. There were some preachers in his day, to use our modern-day term, some, some prophets, as it were, in the Old Testament, some priests, and they said, God's not going to send us into captivity. Hey, that's a very positive message, isn't it? Don't worry about this. Uh, this isn't going to take you down. We're not going into captivity. We're going to stay right here in the homeland. And even if we do go into captivity, it's going to be a very short time. Uh, even one person in the book of Jeremiah said, at, at maximum, two years. And Jeremiah said, no, that's not what God said. God told me that it's going to last for 70 years. You see, the popular message, the positive message, isn't always going to be the right message and the well-received message. They rejected Jeremiah and his word. They did not believe that God would do such a thing, but they had their theology backwards. And Jeremiah was there as a lamppost in his generation to point them back to God. And I love the truth about Jeremiah that he simply didn't care what the people thought as much as he cared about what God thought and what God knew and what God wanted to say to the people. That was the essence of his life. That was the essence of his message. Let's think about that and put it into application where we are today in today's world. It's so easy to want to go with the flow, to want to just go and be like everybody else and, and uh, stick our head in the sand and pretend like nothing's happening. But if we want to be right with the Lord, we need to be most concerned with what God says, not what everybody else around us is saying, not what so-and-so opinion maker on the news is telling us that we ought to think or we ought to believe or we ought to do. But simply look into God's Word, cling to God's Word, and worry more about being right with God. I, I see this truth all throughout Scripture. You know, even in the life of Daniel, he didn't care what others thought about him. He was going to pray openly to his God three times a day, and it cost him dearly. He was actually thrown in the den of lions. Don't let that thought escape you. Sometimes with Daniel in the lion's den, we think about the Sunday school lesson. Okay, kids, let's sit down. Today we're talking about Daniel in the lion's den. And we bring out a little stuffed lion and say, wow, uh, this man was thrown into a pit with lions. We tend to turn it into a coloring book story instead of letting the veracity and the, the fierceness of this passage grip us. Imagine what it would be like to be in Daniel's shoes, to be walking to the edge, knowing that you've got to go down inside of this pit filled with hungry lions. Don't let the fear of that moment escape your notice, the emotion of what that would feel like. And yet, he was willing to stand for God 
and to do what he knew he needed to do. In other words, he was more willing to be right with God than he was to be right with this world. And God delivered him miraculously through the lion's pit. Not from it in the sense of he didn't have to go inside of it, but God took him through it. And again, just like it was with Jeremiah, just like it is with Daniel, we can see this repeated over and over and over again. David, during his life, had this same attitude. And we see it in the New Testament as well. When you talk about people like Paul, to leave everything that he was as Saul. He had power. He had prestige. He had education. He had worked his way up the corporate ladder, so to speak. And some have even said, even if Saul of Tarsus had never converted to Christianity, the world would have still heard about him. He was that kind of person. And yet, he was willing to leave all of his former life behind, all of those relationships, and all of that success that he had earned and that he had gained through hard work and taking step by step by step, always trying to do the right thing. Yet he was willing to turn his back on all of that so that he could be right with God, so that he would know who Jesus truly is. And when he came face to face with those truths, as he would write later in the New Testament, it was nothing for him to leave that behind. Oh, in Philippians, he talks about all those things that were gained to me, I counted them but loss. And they all pale in comparison to knowing God. Dear friends, that's the truth that we're honing in on today. And that's what I really want to emphasize, that we need to be willing to be like Jeremiah, to be like Daniel, to be like David, to be like Paul. And we could go on and on and on with other examples from Scripture. These people were people who wanted to be right with God first and foremost, no matter what it cost them in terms of popularity, no matter what it cost them in terms of personal relationships, no matter what it cost them. I mean, like Daniel, a, a, a threat of his own life, just simply for obeying God and wanting to be close to God, wanting to be right with God. Do we take it that seriously? Or are we allowing the pressures from other people to really bring us down and to stop us from obeying what God wants us to do? Is there some area of your life that you are not willing to obey God in simply because the price may be too high? And you know that you need to do it to be right with God. And yet, to you, the price is too steep. I'm not willing to pay that price. It's going to cost me too much, Lord. Again, go back to Paul. Read through Philippians and remind yourself, as he said, all these things that I thought were gain to me, I count them but loss. And I've learned that the real treasure is knowing Jesus Christ and being right with him. There is great honor and glory and great blessing in 
being true to God. That is the greatest benefit in all of this life. Let that be my heartbeat. Let that be your heartbeat. And I believe that when that becomes our heart, that God will be able to use us and to work through us in a great way like never before, like he has in some of the lives that Pastor Brad talked about. We invite you to, again, connect with us on our website, AntiochBristol.com. Until next time, may God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at AntiochBristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us, and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.